church family, and those that we love. It is good that we are together. One of the greatest uh, aspects of life is having relationships with people and being in their presence, being close to them, not just sending emails or letters or texts, but being with each other. And coming out of a pandemic where we were separated from each other for a long time, or maybe even just this uh, past week, maybe a blizzard or sickness has kept you from being around people that you wanted to be around, we're reminded that being with the people that we love is good. It's a gift. And we are going to see that in our passage tonight. So we're going to look at the birth narrative of, or the, the, the prediction of Jesus' birth and, and leading up to his birth that we see recorded in Matthew uh, chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen, and we're going to look at how this title of Jesus, Jesus being God with us, Jesus being Emmanuel, why that is good news. All right, you can follow along on screen uh, if you'd like or in the Pew Bibles in front of you. We're going to be reading Matthew 1, starting in verse 18 through the end of the chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. And so Jesus is called Emmanuel. He's called God with us. And here at the very beginning, they don't quite understand exactly what this will be, but leading up to this, all throughout human history, we're going to take a real quick look of how we got to this point here in the Bible. God being with us, not just friends, not just family, but God, our creator, Yahweh, God Almighty, the being that we were designed to love and to be connected to and enjoy forever. God being with us is the greatest thing imaginable. It's the greatest news ever. And when God created the world and the cosmos and everything in it, including humanity, he created humans. And they were with God and they walked with God and their relationship with God was perfect. They were naked in body and in spirit and in relationship, yet there was no shame. They were connected to the greatest being imaginable in the Garden of Eden, living in the way that humanity was designed to live. It was paradise. It was perfect. Yet, as we know, this story just very uh, soon, just our third chapter in to the biblical story, we see that this connection with God, God being with us, ends very abruptly. Humanity says to their creator, you're good, but I think there's something even better. And they listen to the serpent's lie, and they rebel against God. So now humanity, even just a few 
verses and chapters into the Bible, we see that humanity are now rebels. We're, we're against God. We've created treason, and we hide from God. We blame others. We run away from our creator. We hide from him. We don't want to be with him anymore, but we run and we hide. Now, in our sin, humanity, our first parents and us, we're now against our creator. Our rebellion against him is, is, is at the core of our identity. We're guilty, and God is a, a good, just judge. And so we run away from him. So God living with us is no longer possible. And because of our treason and our rebellion against God, we actually are kicked out of the garden. We're kicked out of the place where God's presence is and even sets up warrior angels with flaming swords to remind humanity, you cannot get back to me. There's a problem now. Your sin, your evil, your rebellion against me is going to keep you away from me. And so we ate of the fruit. We rebelled against God. And from then on, we have this problem. We want to be with God. It's what we desire sometimes, or at least we know that that's uh, what's, what's best for us, yet we cannot be with God because of our sin. So the story continues. God no longer is among us from Genesis 3 on, and yet God doesn't give up on us. We've given up on him, we've run from him, but he does not give up on us. The whole story of humanity is just whispers that this will be fixed. So God shows up in, in things like burning bushes and in clouds of fire and of smoke. He makes things like this giant tent that show that he's actually living among his people, kind of. Yet there's lots of walls, lots of barriers, lots of sacrifices, lots of washing, lots of curtains that keep humanity away from God. Yet in the story, we see God kind of living among his people, yet in a very veiled, separated type way. This tent turns into, later on in the story, this giant temple, this beautiful temple, one of the greatest uh, buildings in the ancient world. So for centuries, God's people could kind of get close to God through sacrifices, through washings. And maybe if you were... Uh, High, higher up on the social ladder, you could get a little bit closer to God. Yet even still, even though Yahweh was dwelling among his people, there was this enormous, beautiful building showing people that you can kind of get close to God. God is kind of with us, yet there's walls and curtains and rules. There's barrier after barrier. Sacrifice after sacrifice needs to be done. There's rules and purifications and washings that have to be done again and again and again. And in fact, in this temple where God's presence was kind of living among humanity in some ways, in this temple, at the very inside of this temple where God's presence was, there was this enormous tapestry, this huge curtain that reached from floor to ceiling that was super thick. And on it were pictures of warrior angels. And while the temple had lots of uh, decorations and designs to, to make people in it think Garden of Eden, think, remember, we, we used to live among God. We used to live next to our creator. We used to have a relationship with him. Remember the garden. Remember how it started. They would also see this enormous curtain as a giant keep out sign 
the angels, the warrior angels still waving their flaming swords, saying, you can get close, but still you can't get that close. Keep out. And now in our story, we, we have this young woman. This young woman getting a supernatural messenger, showing up from God, saying that the keep out is about to change. Saying that the remedy for our sin problem, the rescuer who will save humanity, will be this baby that's growing in her womb. In verse 23, we just read, the virgin will conceive a prophecy that's about Mary, and, he, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, our first instinct might be, yes, what great news. God's back here again. We can live among him. What, what my soul longs for is now present. Yet, when we remember the whole story of humanity, everything we've just talked about, we realize that God showing up into human history, God being in the presence of, of mankind is like a father returning home early from a work trip to see his son throwing a party and destroying his house. God being near to us sinners in our sin is actually a scary thought, just like a gambling addict that hears that the mob boss who lent him a million dollars has now drawn near. So God with us, good news, yes, but for sinners, actually, no. Actually, scary. For, for, for the guilty, justice is coming. So is this actually good news? Yes and no. No, it's actually not good news for us sinners. And you might be thinking, yeah, well, I actually think if I was in the presence of the, of the divine, of the greatest being that exists, I'd actually like it. It actually would be good news to me. But the reality is, us being in the presence of a perfect and holy God leads to fear and guilt, not to joy and celebration. Think about this. When you sin, and you can describe sin however you want, whether you have a racist thought and deed, whether you slander someone, whether you steal, whether your anger takes control of you, whether your uh, uh, actions are full of violence, whatever your sin might be, do you immediately go to God? Or do you feel like you need to hide? Do you need to cover up your sin? Do you actually run away from him? Do you feel like you can't pray to him immediately after your sin? Maybe you pull back from gathering with other Christians or from speaking to him through prayer. Maybe you're embarrassed and, and, and feel full of shame and guilt. When we do that, we show that we understand that, that a guilty person, a sinful person in the presence of God is actually bad news for the guilty. But our message tonight is, Emmanuel, God with us, is, is good news. And in Matthew 1, we're told why. In our passage, we, we, we see the messenger angel tell Mary not just that God will be with us once more. He tells Mary and us who are listening that the solution to our separation problem, the solution to our sin problem will be fixed by this unborn child. In verse 21, the angel says, 
the virgin will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. So he's not just going to be God with us. He's also going to be a savior king. He's going to show up and he's going to remove the problem that makes God with us scary and full of wrath and judgment for those of us who are guilty and sinners. Jesus is coming to be both God with us and the Savior of the world. In John, we read that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And actually, we see that this happens. Jesus saves the world through his death on the cross in our place. And if we continue to read Matthew, actually the very last verse in this book, this, this book that starts out with this great story of a messenger angel showing up to Mary saying, God with us is happening again. Remember the very beginning? It's happening again. And there's a solution to the huge problem that's kept us from God when we read the very last verse of the same book, the last verse of Matthew we see not just the crucified Jesus, but the risen Jesus speak to those who believe in his name. And he tells them, he says, Behold, disciples, behold those who have put their faith in me. I am with you always. God with us. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So for those of us in this room who believe, who put their trust in Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the solution to our big problem of being rebellious against God, of being guilty and needing a Savior. He tells you today, God with us. He tells you today, behold, little brother, little sister, I am with you always. He is with us now through his Spirit. And if we read the very final chapters of this story, of the Bible, we see that he's not just with us through his Spirit, are not just with us, connected to us spiritually, which is beautiful and powerful and great, but the story ultimately ends when the Savior of the world, when Emmanuel comes back a final time to fully defeat our enemies of Satan, sin, and death, to remedy this problem of us being physically separated from our God and Creator and Savior. At the very end, this is how it is described Jesus' disciple John sees this great prophecy, this great vision, and he describes it to us. He says, and I, hear, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God now is among humanity once again. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That is the story. That is the story of human history. That is the story of God's salvation. He was with us. We rebelled. And for the next thousands and thousands of years, he made a plan to fix this, to fix this celebration. He sent his son into the world 2,000 years. And his son was born as Emmanuel, as God with us. And God did not just stay with us as a little baby that grew into a man. But he also came as a savior, a savior who would die for our sins, who would make God with us not just bad news for sinners, but actually good news for sinners because he would save us from our sins. 
And as those of us who have believed in his name, he's now put his spirit within us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. He is with us to the end of the age when he will return once again to usher in his kingdom on a a resurrected heaven and earth where he will live amongst us one more time for eternity perfectly. God will now live among us. The dwelling place of God will be with humanity. He will be our God. We will be his people. If that is, is your story, rejoice with us. The rest of tonight, the rest of this weekend, as you celebrate the birth of our Savior, the birth of Emmanuel, remember this. Put your hope not just in a manger, but in a bloody cross, uh, a Savior who has ascended and rules on high, who sent his Spirit, and who will one day live among us again without all the problems of, of, of our sin and our guilt and our rebellion and our death. And if you haven't believed that yet, Maybe this is brand new news to you. Maybe you're a visitor here tonight. Whatever it might be, listen to God's story of love for you. This entire book is a story of him fixing our problem that kept us from him so that we could be with God once again. Let's pray. Thank you, God the Father, for sending your son into this world. We were helpless and hopeless in our sin and rebellion against you. Yet you loved us. You never gave up on humanity. And after thousands of years, you sent your son into this world to be the savior, to die for our sins, to remove this separation, to tear the curtain, to bring us back into relationship with you, to bring us into the the new creation, the new Eden, the new paradise, where there are no warrior angels keeping us away from you. There is no sin or guilt or shame keeping us from you. But through the cross, through the empty tomb, through you reigning on high, we now can be with you again. God with us can be good news through the gospel. We pray that it would be good news for us tonight as we sing and celebrate, as we gather again tomorrow morning on the Lord's Day and remember the empty tomb and our resurrected King. We pray this all. In Jesus' name, amen.